Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today, a difficult film that takes place on the Texas-Mexico border. It's a violent sequel to one of the best films of 2015. This one titled Sicario, Day of the Soldado. And I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Kogel. This week, we toast a brighter side of Mexico than is portrayed in this film, and honestly, a lot of our recent political conversations. <laughs> the beautiful wine regions of Mexico. And we raise a glass to summer with some light-bodied and quite tasty red wines to sip through the steamy days of July and August. But first, Gary, let's talk about this film. Okay, we saw this film together. Sicario de Soldado. Uh, Sicario, I think, is the, is the term for hitman. Yeah. And, of course, that's played by Benicio Del Toro, who so played great. it in the first one. So great. Uh, the first one had Emily Blunt in it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was, I mean, if I remember correctly, in 2015, I did a best 10 list. That was number five, the fifth best film of the year. I mean, yeah. we're, this will not make any yeah. best 10 list for me. I think it's a really good film. And I think it's so dark and so difficult and complicated. And I think that's the point of it. I just don't think it's as well directed mm-hmm. as well made. As well made. But it's, it, it's written by Taylor Sheridan, and we're huge fans. We are. We love, we love his work. Yeah. He did Hell or High Water. He wrote it. Exactly. He's he did, the screenwriter. And he did Wind River, right? He did Wind River, yeah. and he did the first Sicario and the movie. First Sicario. Yeah. And he also, he was the lead actor. You know, he's an actor. He was the lead actor in Sons of Anarchy. Yes. And also, he was in Veronica Mars, and he graduated from Texas State University. Nice. So he's a, a party school. He's a Texas guy. He's a, I think he's in his late 40s, you know, getting ready to push 50 probably. But he's just, he takes, I think, really complicated issues. He deals a lot with, um, you know, in Wind River, he's dealing with Native Americans, you know, living in a modern day time right. and the complications of all of, of all of that, the racism that goes there. Um, I thought Sicario was that faced a lot of racism about Mexican American exactly. relations. This one does too, does as well, exactly. And and of course, this one's more difficult because now everyone in the movie is cynical. There are no good guys in this. There are film. no good guys no. on either side of the border. Yeah. No, and I think when you took Emily Blunt out of this scenario because she was a wide-eyed good person right. wanting to serve her country and wanting to do a good job, and 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 that whole cynicism around here and the ugliness. Well, and in of her this. character and watching her her deal with the the trauma and the tragedy because you're yeah. right she went in so so you know eager right and and then you just watched the the kind of the, the turmoil that comes with well you have with beneath, working in this kind of work and yeah. they don't really have anybody in the film to represent to lighten that it. you yeah. know um and, and to lighten that up a little bit and that that's fine i mean the movie is what it is not what i want it to be um, I, I remember Benicio Del Toro, from, he won the Oscar for Traffic. Exactly. And then Josh Brolin in No Country for Old Men, which is a companion film, I think, mm-hmm. to Hell or High Water. Mm-hmm. They're just very, they're very, very good films. Uh, it really, and a lot of this about the Texas-Mexico border. But a lot of this is also about the cartels involved in human trafficking mm-hmm. and bringing people across the border. And just the horrible, horrible nonsense of all of this and the poor people that pay them money the to pe- do this. Yeah. It's like that whole element of it, of people that are just trying to 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 have a better life. They're trying and being, to escape. And being so taken taken advantage of, and and to to you know when when there's a kid, one of the main characters in this is a kid that you know is an, a U.S. citizen but can get across the border and and he is smuggling people in and the. The people telling him to do this are basically just referring to these humans as sheep. And if one yeah. gets swept down the river, 
Let them go. Let them go. Yeah. That's just, you know, that's nothing. They're going to leave They've already alone. paid. There's no, there's no value of human life it's, at and all. And it's just, it's just, it's just so sad. And it's just, again, into the, the, the conversation that we've been having so much about, about people trying to, to, to be, to find a better life in our country. Right. So, well, we have this conversation a lot. If you don't know anything about us, and when we sit and watch this on the news and our hearts, our just, hearts just break for all these children that are at the border that have been separated from their parents, this doesn't really address that no. movie. It addresses the human trafficking element of it. Uh, and it's not, I can't call this a message movie. I think this is a very cynical movie yeah. because Josh Brolin's character, it's, who's the, the yeah. American federal agent on the American side, he just wants a war with the cartel yeah. and he doesn't care about, about all the human toll that goes on between it. And Catherine Keener is in this movie. And Catherine Keener, I mean, I go back to being John Malkovich. She was in Get Out. Catherine Keener keeps working. I love it. She was the crazy, horrible hypnotist yes, she was wife in Get, in Get Out. And she was also she in was 40 in, Year Old Virgin. And she was in Begin Again, which we love. She was in Begin Again. and uh, But she's the boss in this movie. The movie's made about $55 million worldwide so far. So it's a mild hit, uh, expensive film. But at the same time, I don't think it's the message movie. I, it's kind of a movie when you you leave, you admire it. You, you admire it um, because it's pretty well written and very well acted and very well done and intense but you kind of want to take a shower to get the movie off that's exactly yeah we needed to go home and watch the food network we did well not really the food network but yes probably (laughs) we needed to watch some you know know. top chef on bravo or or at least get into (laughs) chef's table on netflix some of the great we needed to we need to lighten the mood yeah and can i just say how much i love josh brolin and i i josh brolin's having another career too Mm -hmm. right now that i think he's he's popping up in some really good films doing really good stuff but it doesn't matter because it, it, it and, and and I don't like being spoon-fed messages all the time in the movie. But if a movie needed a little bit of heart and soul in a message, I think this one did mm-hmm. just a little bit more. So I think it's a good film. And in fact, I'd I'd really recommend it. I just, you have to know what you're getting into because the human toll in this movie is 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 high and extreme, and it'll break your heart. But it breaks your heart for the right reasons, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, it's tough stuff. So on a happy note... Well, so let's just go to the other end of the spectrum, but yeah. still in Mexico. <laughs> because Mexi- Mexican, we've had, I've had some Mexican we've wine with you. You've probably exactly. had more than I've had. Um, and not a lot, though. And that's kind of the, you know, I think it's kind of a sad thing. Because for, for the most part, a lot of Mexican wine is kept in Mexico. They don't drink a lot of wine. So it's still definitely kind of a, a growing um, industry. But... But there are a handful of, of parts of Mexico that are producing wine. Um, kind of probably the most notable is the Baja, Baja California kind mm-hmm. of region. So 90 miles south of San Diego. Um, and to, you, you can cross, you know, go through Tijuana and just try, drive down into Mexico. And, and it's almost this hidden gem. And it's as much a, a wine destination as it is a culinary destination. Wow. Uh, it's been kind of referred to as like Mexico's Napa Valley. Um, wine's certainly not at the caliber, but it's still very, very young. But it's beautiful. And it's, it's you know, your lush landscapes and your incredible food and, and some of the best chefs in Mexico. And there is such a culinary scene in Mexico. If you think about all the different regions... Just just like there are in, in every every country that you have all of the different influences and the influences from the sea and the influences from from such history and heritage that 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 coupled with with a growing kind of wine region makes I think it, it very interesting. It's also 
uh, a region that's still trying to kind of, or a country as a whole that's still trying to kind of find itself as far as what's going to grow really well. I think we've we've seen that across the United States mm-hmm. for for many years. I think Texas in particular had a had a really hard time figuring out what was actually going to grow really well because they wanted to do commercially commercial international. Yeah, varieties. let's make a cab, but you can't really grow. But well, yeah. or a pinot, or, or and a you know, a pinot should never grow in, yeah. in Texas, kind of similarly, but. You do have very cool nights. You have have coastal influence. You have that kind of um, maritime climate. So you actually, maybe there are parts of Mexico, especially in Baja, that you could do a Pinot. It's just obviously quite a bit warmer than it is up in California. Um, but they're also doing things like Fiano and Viognier and, and some Nebbiolo. Fiano is a new one for me. It's an Italian white variety, um, kind of from, I want to say the southern part of Italy, if I'm correct. Um, But just, you know, kind of light-bodied and then mixed with with Viognier that is going to have your floral and your apricot. So so it's a blend. So it would be a blend, yes. And then you have all these kinds of... of, You have a lot of of up-and-coming wineries that I think throughout the next few years will, will... will start to kind of have a presence. Are they making cabs and things? They like are that? making cabs. They're making Malbecs. They're making Merlot. They're making. They're they've got kind of yeah, a whole international spectrum. Um, and there are certainly a, a few that are being widely imported. I think um, Casa Magoni and El Aceto, um is, Those are two of kind of the bigger ones. El Aceto, I think, is probably the largest one of the largest producers in in Baja. Um, but it's kind of something to keep an eye out for. I think the one takeaway that I've had from some of the Mexican wines we've had in the past is that they start out really great and then they just kind of fall off. So hey, I think that that's... I'll never forget that. That's kind of yeah. the, the element of just kind of continuing as the as vines get older, as the region gets a little bit more established, then you're going to be able to, to have older vines that bring concentration, bring a little bit more structure, bring a little bit more texture to the wine that then translate and translates into a wine that you actually, you know, has length and, and body and actually a little bit more. I remember that experience. So we're eating in, in Dallas in a Mexican restaurant that was going out of business yeah, or changing. Sadly, and we loved a, that place. A, such a cute and we were spot. really excited about this wine. And when we opened it for the first 30 minutes maybe? Yeah. Wow, this is good. Yeah. But we sat there for a couple of hours, and the the wine, not, it didn't go flat, but all the body went yeah, out of it. It, just, it, just, it had no length, is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah, yeah, it just, it didn't, there wasn't anything, uh, the the entire structure, it was the weirdest it thing. It was the weirdest thing I've ever, yeah. yeah. yeah so, but that happens. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. absolutely. Wow. So I think that, um, and and like I said, for for tourists, if, if there is a, a Mexican destination to kind of think about, it yeah. would definitely be one because of the beauty, because of not only, you know, it being a beautiful wine country, but also a really great culinary destination. Yeah. And can we just get all these uh, families back together on put, the border? I was going to say, can we just can get we them get back these together? kids together with their Can we just be parents? responsible with that and get that back and, together? And stop blaming these parents for, <sighs> for, for having their children taken away from them and, and making them pay for DNA. I am so... Making them pay for their own airline tickets to reunite well, and, them and their and own DNA, DNA tests. tests. I just, I, I'm embarrassed for, I am embarrassed for our country. Yeah, it's, that's really tough stuff. <sighs> hey, uh, let's take a break. When we come back on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, summer wines, 
that taste great and summer movies that make you feel good. A few surprises there. Plus the new phenomenon of <laughs> wine gonna, in a can. We're going to talk about this. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. And we're halfway through the summer, and that begs the question, what qualifies as a good summer wine? As a fun summer wine. Hey, you're the expert. Come on. <laughs> Let's have fun. Well, I think obviously in the summer. summertime, uh, a white wine is a go-to, but that's a little too obvious. And so let's maybe consider a few red wines because... We still love to drink a bottle of red, even yeah. though it is very warm outside. But I don't want to say we want to drink a super heavy, hearty, robust, intense, tannic, high, high alcohol, alcohol. Yeah. Um, red. So maybe we're not going to be drinking the hearty cabs or a Zinfandel mm-hmm. or, or Barillos. And you certainly still can. It's cert- certainly still great steak wine and people are grilling all summer. So that's still a great go-to. But maybe something to lighten up a little bit something that's maybe going to be your drink throughout the entire night instead of just with your meal kind of wine so more your light bodied reds. you'll feel better and like yourself more the next day maybe so possibly hopefully you have that chance yes um so you want to kind of look for wines that are like i said light bodied maybe high acidity so they've got lovely freshness think of things like Pinot Noir is kind of a classic, pretty obvious one, but maybe something that's not on your radar. Um, I'm such a fan of Alto Adige, you know this, yes. and talk about it's Alto Adige yeah. quite a bit. It's the far northeast part of Italy and the Italian Alps, right at the the in the Dolomite Mountains. And they grow a red wine there called Schiava. It's also called Trollinger in German. And if you think of what Alto Adige is, it was controlled by the Austrian-Hungarian Empire for quite a while. It's kind of changed hands quite a bit. German, uh, Austria-Hungarian, who owns this little pocket of beauty? Because it is completely beautiful. Um, it is Italy now. It's very high altitude. It's high altitude. I, yeah. I had a chance to travel there years ago and, and to see vineyards that were at these incredibly high elevations was just fascinating. And then with the mountain backdrop, it, it was just so beautiful. And But they grow the Schiava wine there, these Schiava vines, and it's very, very light. It really reminded me of like a a Beaujolais or of a Gamay, yeah. which is the, the grape for Beaujolais and not Beaujolais Nouveau, like a Beaujolais Villageuse. So something that's actually has a little bit more texture and not just super juicy, but it's so fresh. It's so light bodied. It's like, it's like kind of bubble gummy, cotton candy, super juicy red fruit, all kind, you know, it's just like a little happy wine, and it's and it's a great wine if you think about the food that they serve in this region. It's a very Germ- German influence, so you do have a lot of like hearty polenta and and lots of lots of uh, filled pastas. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there, at one time, I looked down at my plate; my entire plate of food was white because it was like potatoes and cabbage and polenta <laughs> if i had gone for the big wiener schnitzel then that would have <laughs> filled it out ladies and gentlemen she but, did not go for the big, big wiener schnitzel. schnitzel thank you but very much. it is a, it's a very hearty hearty um food culture and yeah. so then you pair it with these super light-bodied wines with great acidity and it kind of cuts through all the richness how do you spell schiava 
S-C-H-I-A-V-A. Schiava. Yes, and again, or it's Trollinger, T-R-O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R in German. They so do. if you went into a wine store and said, I'm looking for a Schiava. Yes. They'll know. Yes. Okay. Um, and there are a couple of producers that that I like in particular, Nas Magritte and Elena Volch. Um, t- no, I've talked about both of them before on the show. They're um, two of kind of my favorite yeah. ones. Elena, I love Elena's wines. I think that she is she is as lovely as she is a great winemaker. So I think that that those are good go tos. Just mentioned uh, Beaujolais again. Look for something maybe from Morgan or Fleury that um, is going to have a little bit of texture, lots of freshness, lots of floral notes, lots of wild berry, and also though. A little bit of the earth, you know, you get some of the crushed stone earthiness. Beaujolais, um, this far southern part of Burgundy in France. So I always think of, of Beaujolais, like Beaujolais Nouveau, but right. also the Beaujolais villages right. that you said. Is there any other, I mean, is it, you always look for Beaujolais villages? Well, you look look for some, like I just um, look for one that says, so within Beaujolais, there, yeah. there are like little sub sub regions. Okay. Um so Morgan Fleury, those are two of my favorite. Brulee is is another one. Oh, those are the areas. Yes. Okay, now I get yes. it. Yeah. Um uh, I also love a good Rhone. Um, I yes, think you do. that that Grenache is is a little bit lighter than maybe a Mouved, and so if you're going to look for some some Rhone wines, look for a blend that maybe is a little bit more Grenache, Syrah, Carignan heavy versus um, Mouved, because I think Mouved has just a little bit more power and, and intensity. But just you know, like a, an easy Cote de Rhone is just a great little summertime wine nice and fresh not too there's not a lot of uh, you know it's not aged for years mm-hmm. it's not it's a blend of of grapes from throughout the region so it's just it's kind ready, of ready ready it's ready to drink now. now exactly right. so just nice light also usually really really inexpensive so really great 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 go-to's and then anytime I can drink a wine from the, from the Piemonte region, I'm always happy. So a good little Barbera de Asti is always good. Barbera de Alba. You're a big fan of the Barbera. I, well, I'm just yeah. such a big Piemonte fan. And so I think anything from, which is um, the far northwest corner of, of Italy, it's mm-hmm. the home of Barolo, the home of Barbera, or of, of Barbaresco, and also this Barbera fruit. Lots of acidity, but also some nice structure, a little bit um, a little bit more layered with herbs and red fruit and a little bit of spice. You're also a huge Cab Franc person. I do love a good Cab Franc. And we had a really interesting one just the other night. Um, we had one from a Cab Franc, um, kind of traditionally a blending grape, uh, right bank Bordeaux. Do love a good right bank Bordeaux. We talk about that a lot also. Um, the blend historically has been Cab Franc and Merlot on the right bank. Merlot also a good kind of lighter. If you're going to think of the Bordeaux varieties, which ones would be lighter? Cab Franc, Merlot, um, obviously a little bit lighter. But we had a an Italian Cab mm-hmm. Franc dominant wine the other night from Arcanum. And we've, Arcanum. We've talked about, about Arcanum before from when I had my trip to, to Tuscany a few years ago. We had a 2004 though and it was just it was just fantastic really good and it was so much fun because it's if you drink a a cab franc and especially this arcanum uh, wine early like their their current release which i want to say they're probably maybe on a 2000 
13 now, maybe even 14. Yeah, they hold on to it um, for a while. But it's it's going to have the the purple flowers and a and the kind of woody herb, and it's going to have a little bit more. It's going to be a little bit lighter. But then what we saw when we tried this 2004 the other night is some of those fresh floral notes kind of melded into this really earthy mushroom funk it was it was like yeah i mean there was like truffly and forest floor note um but still maintaining some of you know that that freshness it it was just it it was a really really beautiful wine and that's the if you have the patience to actually age your wines and it's a it's a great bottle i want to say it's maybe a hundred dollar bottle so it's a it's a good wine to kind of if you buy now and then you know drink one now and then drink one maybe five years maybe 10 years and just see how the difference changes and develops and and it's hard it's hard to lay wine down because everybody wants to drink their wine you know the second they buy it off the shelf but but this is a good one you know these are Mm -hmm. the kinds of wines to to consider so these are all international ones is there is there a a usa wine is there a well i think that there are a few things um we cab franc uh in particular i know we talked about the the horse heaven hills yeah. cab franc from columbia that that we enjoyed when we did our event with them not too long ago that's good wine that's a lovely lovely wine um i think some of the merlot we we had a gurga chill merlot from napa the other day mm-hmm. we had a stewart sellers uh, merlot from napa the other day um a little bit lighter like i said than the cab so still has that structure and the you know some some good character without maybe being as heavy as some of the cabs that right. that we we enjoy now um with lots of you know red plum and licorice and violets and and fresh summer wines they're great summer wines okay let's talk about summer movies well now. i can watch moana every day yes, listen i'm a guy here. it's animated it's about a girl it's about hawaii it doesn't matter when you when you make i hate i hate it when people call Animated movies, cartoons. Oh, I rented this cartoon the other day. You know, I understand that. And listen, I'll go there with you. But Moana is a high-end piece of art with great music. And it it just, you know, if you're stuck in the Midwest, if you're stuck in Texas and it's 110 degrees, watch Moana because it's on the ocean and on the water. And we've kind of become fans of The Rock. We have. Dwayne Johnson. I don't know if I want to go see whatever this new thing is. We're probably going to skip the big high-rise Listen, everything goes back to the towering inferno yes. when that that had Steve McQueen and Paul Newman. So that's different. But I just think Moana is great. Also, I'm jonesing for fly fishing a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I this time of the year I wanna I wanna get my fly rod out and get in the Deschutes River in Oregon and the next spec thing is to watch a river runs through it, which has a melancholy streak to it because it, there's a little bit of tragedy in there. But Robert Redford directed this film. They made it for like five million dollars. It was very low budget at the time, nominated for multiple Oscars, and it's just beautiful. It's about faith and art and fly fishing and forgiveness. You know, the father's having a tough time. They're very strict parents. But watching Brad Pitt and look like Robert Redford in a movie that's directed by Robert Redford is so weird. And then I'm two others real quick. But Begin Again, every time that comes on, we have a stop down. We do. Begin Again, you know, it's 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 the, the, the people that did Once. And then they did beginning again. It's all about music, and it's got Kieran Knightley in it, and it's got Paul uh, Mark, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo in it. But it's also got Haley Steinfeld yeah. in it, and, and it's Levine. also got Adam Levine <laughs> and James Corden, uh-huh. who's great yeah. in it. And it's all about the joy of what it takes to write a song, and it's it's, and it's from a girl's perspective. Mm-hmm. 
But there's moments in that film, and it's just so joyful and wonderful. And then get out of your comfort zone and rent a, a French film uh, that's a little bit older called Amelie. And uh, Amelie, there's a scene in Amelie where they literalize her heart being broken. A guy walks into a coffee shop uh, in an uh, uh, espresso shop in, in France, and she's hoping he turns around and recognizes her and loves her, and he doesn't. He walks out, and she literally melts into a puddle of water on the floor. And they literalize this. It's the most beautiful, heartbreaking, but it's about uh, generosity. And Amelie is a woman who gives and gives and gives, and nobody gives back to her. And then it finally does come around. It's the coolest thing. It's a, it's an Oscar-winning foreign language film for France called Amelie. Listen, I know The Incredibles 2 is out there. And, I was going to say No Summer Age Rental. Age of Ultron, all that stuff. You know, they're all, they're <laughs> no, all there. We're no, getting all these big the, films. We're all the bad summer movies back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> this year they're all superhero movies, and they're all actually pretty good. Um, but um, and, and some of them are making a ton of money. But at the same time, you want to – we're waiting for, in the, for the fall for the little jewels. But Moana, A River Runs Through It, Begin Again, and Amelie, and you can't go wrong. Awesome. On all of those. What's the deal with wine in a okay, can? We're what is just, the deal? Well, I'm just going to... You popped I'm gonna, pop the other day on the ocean. So I'm just going to give... Yes, I'm going to give my own little diatribe on, on wine in a can. And because I'm, we are getting a lot of wine in a can samples, and I've received so many wine in a can pitches. And hey, I, I, I don't know if I love the idea, but I get it. I get the ease of use. I get that, you know what, you're going to the... It's great for summertime. It's it's convenient. You can throw it in your picnic basket. You can throw it in your beach bag. It looks like a beer can it, and you put a koozie on it. You put a koozie on it and isn't it so fun? And I I have yet to buy just, yes, popping the top and trying them because I've tried quite a few, found one that really um, sent me over the edge. But if you do find one, this is just my own little like public service announcement. Yeah, if you do find one. Um that you actually really want to drink, just be really careful as you drink it. Because what I found, we took it to the beach. It was very hot. I popped the top like I would a can of beer or a Diet Coke. And you drink it like you would drink either one of those. Low alcohol content. That you, it's hot. It was cold. I drank it fast. Then I looked at the can and it was 14.5 alcohol. Wow. So, which is, you know, typical for a glass of wine. Okay, that's two glasses of wine in that can. And I drank it very fast. You start talking funny. Well, it's, <laughs> I think that you just like, just, just be careful as you drink it because it's still wine. It's not, it's, it may taste really refreshing and it may be super cold and it may be really fun. But all of a sudden you have had two glasses of wine and what could be a very, very fast. And, and you so, think you're drinking a soda and you think, almost. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just because of the 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 packaging leads you to drink it as you would anything else you yeah. might out of a can. And again, I haven't found one that that I really enjoyed. The, the best part of that can of wine I drank was the fact that it was very cold and I was very hot. Um, but yeah, so yeah. that's that's, that's your endorsement. It was cold it was and I was cold. hot. But the after effects and were the after effects. I had a headache for two days. 
<laughs> Plus, there's, isn't there a little bit of an aluminum taste? Well, that's my whole thing. Out of a can? Well, I, that's, that's a weird thing. That's my whole thing. And, you know, maybe there, there will the be glass. a point that I that I I come around, as I did with with a, a wine bottled with a Stelvin or a screw yeah. cap. I mean, there, there are fantastic wines now bottled uh, using a, a screw cap. And I, you know, write about them and celebrate them a lot. Yeah. Maybe at some point they'll, they'll be the wine in a can that I get to with that. I, I don't think I'm quite there yet. So far, we're okay with Bloody Marys in a can. I am okay. Well, I don't know. No. I haven't had one in a can. Because we'd pour them in a solo cup anyway and put yeah. a koozie under well, them. Well, and that's, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like you're not going to pour it in a glass, so that's why it's in a can. And so it's, it's, there, not if you are so going to, if you are going to enjoy your wine in a can, just drink it slowly. Be careful. <laughs> it's not a soda. Not. Uh, you're off, to, you're off uh, to Europe. We are. We're having a, we are both. You're going a, first and I'm going to join yes, you. We uh, go to, I go to Germany tomorrow. Um, to Riesling, the, Riesling. To the Falls region of Ries, of Germany and, and yes, sipping a lot of beautiful Riesling. I cannot wait. Excited to, to talk more about that when I yeah. get back and then you're joining me. And I am joining you in Barcelona. We are going to Barcelona. Barcelona for a few days and then to Paris for you. Paris three days and then we get to come back to paradise. And then we get to come back to paradise. So we'll recap all of that afterwards yeah. because we're so going we to drink some good wine and, and eat some good food. And we've got a great day. Walk uh, around a lot. We've got a day in while we're in Spain that we're going to do a whole cava day, which I'm excited about. Me too. And, and kind of have that experience. So wow. It's going to be awesome. It's good to be you and I get to hang <laughs> on for dear life. That's how that works. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing, more new films arriving in local theaters and on video with wines to match and good stories to tell. For more on the films or wines we've talked about today, please check out our blog on kogelconsulting.com or through Facebook. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Kogel and to see what we're drinking now and all of our excitement from our adventure. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Court. And with that, I'm Gary Kogel. And as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha.